I'm I'm really excited about this, Rob. I'm, thank you for being in the studio today. I uh, I have your bio and everything like that. Thank you for sending that. But we'll uh, I'll have some of that in the show notes. But uh, if you could just tell us a, just a little bit about yourself, so that people understand. For those that don't already know you. Um, know a little bit about your background and just your expertise yeah sounds good so it's just rob and uh <laughs> you know obviously i'm honored to be here and and thanks for the invite i'm sorry we couldn't make it work last time but no this is perfect timing perfect yeah um so i'm a i'm an addiction psychiatrist and a pain physician uh so i often uh work in the overlap of pain and addiction uh, but I have a, an interesting practice where I do a bit of just pain, a bit of pain and addiction, and a bit of just addiction. So I kind of roam in between. And then uh, I also work at, a, at an operational stress injury program where I treat veterans and RCMP officers mm-hmm. with trauma. And so um, the, the resounding theme with all of them is trauma. Mm-hmm. So works Absolutely. Out right. I... Uh, Trauma is, um, that's a whole other, I, I might have to ask you <laughs> to come back actually, yeah, cause right. I'd love to do something on trauma. Yeah. Um, anyway, so you and I were just having, uh, an awesome conversation yeah. even before we started, <laughs> uh, recording. So I want to kind of just pretend we're not recording and let's kind of just Get go right back. back yeah. There. Let's go right back in there. So I know as soon as you walked in, you were like, well, how controversial do you want to yeah, be? Let's, and let's so let's just dive in. Let's go, Rob. Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> we were, we were having a really good conversation mm-hmm. of, um, the, the, uh, artificial divide between harm reduction and recovery, mm-hmm. uh, when in reality, all of it is, is, uh, addiction treatment. Uh, it's just different types of levels and different ways of approaching. Mm-hmm. Um, but truly, uh, the only way we're ever going to get a hold of this uh, overdose, um, it, it's an epidemic, but I, I believe it'll be a pandemic uh, eventually, is, you know, w- which is really negative how I just said that. I mean, I mean, I don't mean it in a bad way, but... I, I know, I know, I right. know where you're coming from. We, I get it. Yeah. We've got to get control of it. Mm-hmm. And we've never, in, in Canada, uh, we've never, never optimized true addiction treatment. We've never optimized addiction medicine. We've never optimized true publicly funded uh, uh, treatment and recovery programs. So when you say that, what do you mean? What do you well, mean we've never optimized? What, what are you saying? There's never been a position where when somebody's ready to go get help and get treatment mm-hmm. that they can do so in a publicly funded evidence-based program. Okay. Nowhere yeah. in this country. Uh, and I think that, I, I mean, it'll shock some people, but I think it's a fact. I think Alberta is probably on its way of leading everyone in that uh, position uh, where we'll have these therapeutic communities opened up mm-hmm. soon, which... I think will be uh, a big game changer to make a difference for a lot of people mm-hmm. who uh, quite simply are failing all other treatments or all other treatments have failed them, however mm-hmm. one would like mm-hmm. to look at it. Uh, but again, uh, just focusing on, on one format of treatment, which is uh, you know recovery and often an abstinence-based recovery, which again, I think Alberta is leading the way where most of our recovery programs allow uh, opioid agonist treatment, mm-hmm. uh, evidence-based uh, medical, uh, um, well, collaboration, I guess is the right word, such as anti-craving medications. And 
you know, in, in reality, when we're treating addiction, uh, we should be throwing everything in the kitchen sink uh, at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, not, well, let's try this. And then, well, if that doesn't work, we'll go try that one over there. And then mm-hmm. let's try that one over. That's, that's a recipe for not just disaster, but death. Mm-hmm. And what we should be doing is uh, all hands on deck, mm-hmm. um, providing uh, true harm reduction services, but those services having addiction medicine and recovery all incorporated into it. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the methods I'm trying to, to promote is that, you know, addiction medicine is the bridge between harm reduction and recovery. And the reality is, is you need both to confront this, this new fentanyl problem that we have. And it's not like the old days where we were treating people hooked on oxycodone or, mm-hmm. you know, uh, taking Percocets or the odd person here and there using heroin. Mm-hmm. It's the vast majority of the addiction we're seeing in the opioid population is, is fentanyl. And fentanyl is not the same mm-hmm. as these other molecules. Uh, it acts differently. It responds differently to opioid agonist treatments. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we were talking about this. We have no idea if somebody's been injecting fentanyl for 10, 15 years, mm-hmm. which, you know, it actually hasn't been that long for most cases. And we saw the first of it in 2013. But mm-hmm. let's say eight years. Mm-hmm. Uh, what happens to their brain and how easy it is just to stop? Yeah. Uh, the reality is, in, in anecdotal, we have very little literature about fentanyl. It's not like you can open a peer-reviewed addiction journal and like, oh, I'm going to be an expert in treating fentanyl. Mm-hmm. We're, we're I, I mean, as adept as addiction medicine has been, we're learning and changing every day and every minute to try to stabilize people who are on fentanyl. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, very small percentage of people can just detox and stop. Mm-hmm. I, I mean... A really small number mm-hmm. and and I mean you know and mm-hmm. you've you've been around with this stuff too it's it's hard yeah and and then we've got terrible policies of believing take this pill or this prescription and you'll be cured mm-hmm. I mean that's that's garbage uh, we have other fallacies of like well I did it you can do it pull up your boots and and you know stop using well yeah and stop being homeless and stop being poor and stop having trauma and stop you know, thinking about all the times that somebody beat you or raped you or, mm-hmm. or molested you or uh, um, you know, abused you or neglected you, uh, you know, pull up your bootstraps and get over it. We, that's garbage. Well, I think there's I think there's different demographics mm-hmm. like right that we're we're also obviously seeing needing to treat like. It's not, we're, we're, it's not a level playing field. Well, no. and it never, it, it isn't for anything though. Correct. In reality, right? Like, yeah. And we were talking about that. Like <clears throat> if you've got lots of supports and family yeah. and love and, you know, resiliency is love and skills. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when you're missing one or the other, you can slip into the, the addiction part mm-hmm. and those adverse childhood experiences can affect you long term. But if we can build resiliency with love and mm-hmm. with skills mm-hmm. and, and then treat the underlying traumas and the reasons that people are struggling mm-hmm. with uh, true evidence-based or, or evidence-informed care mm-hmm. and um, you know, then accessing addiction medicine for anti-craving and opioid agonist treatments, uh, between all of that, we may have a chance. Uh, but then we've got to somehow... So that's going to work really well if I've got someone with some supports 
who's saying, you know what, I've got to stop this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've got, you know, the trauma therapist and the addiction counselor and the uh, addiction medicine doctor and the nurse and the recovery coach and everybody's all there for them and they've got some supports in their life. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a pretty good chance of helping that person. Mm-hmm. But then you take someone who's lived on the street for years, mm-hmm. who's got no supports, yeah. who's got no love, who, who struggles to love themselves, mm-hmm. who's living in this perpetual world of guilt and shame and all the underlying horrific traumas in their life that are continuous mm-hmm. with living on the street mm-hmm. and doing whatever they got to do to survive and then doing whatever they got to do to not get sick because they're so physically dependent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and we think that, oh, don't worry, come on in, we'll do trauma therapy and we'll give you a recovery coach and we'll give you a pill and you'll be okay. <laughs> I mean, that, first of all, they're not coming in. Mm-hmm. Second of all, um, you know, we've got to figure out a way just to connect to them mm-hmm. and start that process and start building a relationship. I, I can't do anything without a relationship. And if we don't have a relationship with the person in front of us that we're, that we're trying to treat mm-hmm. and we're treating a disorder that that person has and we're treating everything that that person has undergone and lived through, uh, if they don't trust me, I got zero chance. Yeah. And right now, people who um, struggle with addiction, especially street-level people mm-hmm. uh, who identify with different cultures, who are stigmatized, mm-hmm. who live in a, a world of discrimination and racism, um, who, you know, in, in Vancouver, you know, emergency personnel are betting on who's drunk and how, how high their level of alcohol is. Uh, people oh, are dying in hospital, yeah. being told this is because of your fault. Uh, we have we have a huge systemic racism. Mm-hmm. Then you tack that on to the discrimination towards poverty. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, we're saying, hey, you know, pull up your boots and go into the clinic and get help. And when you get there, they're going to refer you to another clinic and then another clinic and then another clinic. And no, they're, they're not going to do it. So we've got to radically change how we're looking at this. Uh, and look, everything that we can do with a therapeutic community and a residential treatment centers and addiction medicine programs and recovery centers are going to work really well for the vast majority. Mm-hmm. But like all of medicine, 10 to 20% chew up 80 to 90% of, of the budget. And that's the people we need to work on is how do we get those people so that we can help them? And, and it starts with a, a relationship, and that is not an easy process. Okay, and so when you refer to those people, I'm assuming yep. that you mean the, like our homeless population. Sure, yeah. I, I think, you know, homeless, lower socioeconomic status, yes. people okay, living yes. without a home, yeah, people yeah. with no family, no supports, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. living in perpetual guilt, shame, mm-hmm. uh, you know, criminal activity to, to survive, not to support their habit. I can't stand that. They're surviving Mm -hmm. and they will do whatever they got to do to survive because that's what we as humans do. Mm -hmm. And none of us would be any different if Mm -hmm. we were in that position. I, uh, that, that really hits home for me just because of my, just my own lived experience going through what I went through with Eden. Right. And I, that changed everything for me, like this whole addiction realm you know what I mean? Because uh, I've worked in addiction and mental health for a mm-hmm. long time, too, and used to work at the Calgary Drop-In Rehab Center. And But going through that with Eden changed everything. And when you say that, that they're surviving, 
I seen that firsthand in my own daughter, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I, I don't know if this is even going to go over well with a lot of people, but I, I actually, when I would get the chance to see her, all I cared about was that you survive, mm-hmm. that she stay alive, whatever you need to do, stay alive, right? you know, until you can, until you're ready or until you decide to come in. But I knew what she was doing. I knew prostitution, B&Es, breaking into cars, breaking into houses, robbing. I knew. I knew what she was. She was surviving. Yeah. And that that is what harm reduction is for, Mm -hmm. to survive, to help people survive. Mm -hmm. And, And we can enhance and amplify that by not just letting people survive, but using these, these harm reduction processes as access points to treatment when they're ready, mm-hmm. but making sure somebody is uh, in, a, in, a, in a realm of support, mm-hmm. in a place where there's no judgment, mm-hmm. in a place where there's no stigma, mm-hmm. in a place where they're supported, but it can't, we can't leave them there. Yeah. Okay. So that's when, so you've said, you've said quite a bit of stuff here that I really, <laughs> but I, I, uh, one of the things that I really, I think is key is the re- relationship. Yeah. Relationship and support. Those are obviously hand in hand, but, um, because I, you know, and you know this already, like, but cause I 100% believe in recovery. Yeah. Right. I believe totally that we can recover. I believe in abstinence. I believe that no matter how far down you are, that you can recover. Like I really believe that because I've seen it. Right. You know what I mean? And so I think if it can happen for one, it can happen for more. But I think the big, the missing link is the relationship. Yes. Kind of intertwined with support, like relationships and support. Yes. You know, resiliency. Yes. Build it. Yes. Yes. Help people feel people deserve to be loved and feel loved. And and there's so many people out there that Mm -hmm. they don't love, they don't feel Mm love, they don't love Mm -hmm. themselves. Well, you don't believe in yourself. You know what I mean? Like, especially like, I know even for, you know, I, I, I mean, I use Eden as, as my example, but I mean, I could use others as examples too, but she was was obviously the closest thing to me. But I, so I, yeah, I just, I, we really do get to, and some of that even ties in with, you're talking about, you know, the systemic racism and just the discrimination, everything like that. Because even as a society, we look at these people and we don't believe Exactly. That they can recover. We don't believe that there's any hope for them. Right. They're lost causes, right? We drive by their lost causes. They're, you know what I mean? All, all of the names and things like that. But we, they can recover. And so I think as a community, we do need to really, this, it does need to change. Right. Like, I, I'm with you, Rob. I'm with it's, you. I hear um, you. It's not just stigma. It's discrimination. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's prejudice it's racism. Mm-hmm. It, it's us as a society getting over the fact that these aren't lost causes, mm-hmm. that they need help. Mm-hmm. And, you know, our harm reduction programs that we have out there are really good at making someone feel like there's a relationship. They, they can teach us all a thing or two about how to talk to people and how to listen to people and how to not judge. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we can't just leave them in the perpetual aspect of their addiction Mm -hmm. because it is the addiction itself that can lead to the trauma and lead Mm -hmm. to the stigma and lead to the shame and the guilt. 
So we need it there to support people until they're ready, mm -hmm. but we need it to be helping people move towards readiness. Mm -hmm. And if we have the harm reduction people working in the recovery mm -hmm. centers and the recovery people working in the harm reduction centers, so it's not a handoff. Mm -hmm. It's not, okay, you're ready to go. Now you're out of us and you're over to them. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I mean, that in itself is, is traumatizing for someone. Mm -hmm. But it's, hey, don't worry. I work over there too. I'm going to see you. In fact, why don't I take you there myself? Mm -hmm. You know, we've got to get over ourselves to believe that it's, it's like I'm the medicine and you must go do what I say and, and this paternalistic and author authoritarian crap. Mm -hmm. And we've got to realize my job is to help someone through a journey. Mm -hmm. And I'd love to believe that every single person can recover, but we have to accept that it's remitting and relapsing chronic illness mm -hmm. and that some people, they may not get there. Mm-hmm. And we have to support that just like, you know, every other chronic remitting relapsing illness in, in known to man, there's good prognosis and poor prognosis. Mm -hmm. There's good outcomes and there's, there's poor outcomes. Mm -hmm. We need to shift the balance of poor to good outcomes. And we need to see more people recovering and mm -hmm. feeling good about themselves. Mm -hmm. But what's most important is we need to create that hope, which, which I like to believe hope is hang on pain ends. And we need to help people's pain end. Mm -hmm. And, and that, takes, that takes an army. Absolutely. And, and not, not one ideological way of doing things. Mm -hmm. And I'd love to believe some people may never get off of Suboxone or Methadone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Some people may never get off of Naltrexone. Some people may never get off their antidepressant or their mood stabilizer or their sleep med. And that's Okay. We cannot stigmatize. We cannot judge. Everyone is an individual. And some people will be completely abstinent mm -hmm. and live the rest of their life that way. Mm -hmm. And we should celebrate those people as much as we celebrate the person who's uh, no longer uh, in the sex trade, no longer living without a home, no longer living in poverty, uh, but happens to be on methadone still. Mm -hmm. So what? Mm -hmm. they, they've done so much. Mm -hmm. And then we also have to accept that, you know, not everybody can live without anything. We live in a society where, where alcohol's okay. Yeah. yeah. Where smoking is, where pot, yeah. you know, I can buy pot any day I want all <laughs> night. I mean, I mean, we live in a society where it's okay. Mm -hmm. Why do we judge someone when they can't do it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, Oh, I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So it's, we can fix it. Yeah. But yeah. we need harm reduction. Yeah. We need, we need to be prescribing inside of the SCSs so that in an SCSs supervised consumption site or an overdose prevention site or wherever somebody is going to, to use their, their substance of choice, especially for opioids, we, we can eliminate everything that's involved in the criminal activity, everything that's involved in the, the life that they live to survive by simply having um, addiction medicine uh, doctors and nurse practitioners working inside of these facilities and prescribing whatever we need to prescribe to stabilize that person. Now, they, it doesn't mean they get to leave with it. I'm not a fan of like, mm -hmm. you know, my prescription pad's going to save the world. That's mm -hmm. crap. Mm -hmm. uh, but I know my prescription pad will help stabilize someone enough for them to have a conversation and start thinking about, 
where is my life and what am I doing? Do I want to live this way? Mm -hmm. Do I want to be this way? And in my experience, nobody chooses to to live on the street. Mm -hmm. Nobody Mm -hmm. chooses to be poor. Nobody chooses the horrible things that happen to them in their Mm -hmm. life. And and nobody chooses to be addicted. Mm -hmm. And everybody, if given the opportunity, would take an opportunity at getting away from all of it. Mm -hmm. And we heard that over and over again from people living with addiction, is that if there was access, they would do something. And, and that access still isn't here. Mm-hmm. That's the sad part of it. If I have cancer and I need help, I have access. Mm-hmm. But if I have addiction and I need help, I might not even be able to go to a detox center in the city I live in because there might not be one. Mm-hmm. Like might not be room. It might not be one, period. There might not be, like look at Calgary. Here's, yeah. here's Alberta's biggest city. We have one medical detox program that turns people away every day. Yeah, no, I know. And how do you think that person feels when they get turned away? Imagine the, the giving up at that moment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, they mm-hmm. finally made the decision, okay, I need to go get help. And they mm-hmm. show up and they get sent away. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're not good enough for the help. You don't deserve our help. Where do you think they're going right after that? Mm-hmm wherever they need to get their fix. Mm-hmm. It's horrific. Yeah, no, I know. That's been an ongoing, yeah. Totally. Our issue. system punishes people. Yeah. It's terrible. So where... <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. So where, 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 do you, where do you think we go from here? And, Look, and especially now with COVID, right? Yeah. Because that's just... Tax onto everything, but we're, we'll see a regression to the mean from that. This has been a horrific, a horrific six months. It'll be another horrific six months. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will see a regression to the mean of, of some of the, the numbers that we've seen. And it's hard because these numbers are people and people are dying. Mm-hmm. And, and we will see some improvement. But we, we have to, as a society, uh, all accept and make the decision that we're going to treat addiction like heart disease and cancer. Mm-hmm. And we're going to fund it. And we've got to stop saying, oh, my goodness, look, we suddenly have a mental health crisis. We've had a mental health crisis for decades. Oh, yeah. We just don't want to treat it. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness, we have an addiction crisis. What do you mean we have? We've had mm-hmm. for years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The problem is, look, I, I mean, the, the BC Supreme Court struck down private surgery. We will not allow private surgery to occur. Why do we allow private addiction treatment? That's how stigmatizing our system is. It's okay to pay $30,000 a month to go to a treatment program. It's still even okay to pay $30,000 and get kicked out three days later, and they'll keep that money. It's okay to take advantage of our most vulnerable. Why? Because this is prejudice. This is racism. This is plain and simply not giving a shit about the people who need the support the most and saying, yeah, we'll take care of the CEO and the family member and we'll take every last penny to put them into a private treatment program and if they fail, it's their fault. What? If they fail, what does that mean if they fail? How do you fail? You you end up relapsing and using again. Mm -hmm. There is an opportunity Okay, let's talk about it. What happened? 
what was going on there? What led to you ending up using again? Mm -hmm. You know, what, what was going on in your life at that moment that led you to that circumstance? This is an opportunity to treat to find out what happened, mm -hmm. to do a behavioral review of what happened mm -hmm. and then intervene yeah. and say, that's okay. It happens, right? Oh, you know, they, they weren't agreeing and, and working with us. Well, that person should have never been sent to that clinic then because that clinic wasn't strong enough to deal with that. But if you think someone with surviving on the street with massive trauma is suddenly going to be put into a structured environment yeah. and you must do this and you must show up for this group and you're not engaging enough and you need to be vulnerable. Oh my God, how is this person going to be vulnerable? And then you're preaching at him, inducing shame, mm -hmm. activating trauma. Mm -hmm. and, then, and then you're wondering why they're failing and mm -hmm. why they quit because you didn't have the expertise in that program to do it in the first place. And yet you had the gall to charge that family 30 grand. Mm -hmm. It's horrific. Unregulated, prejudiced. <laughs> oh, that's, that's a, whole, that's a uh, whole can of worms there. It's, it's a system we live yes, in. Yes, no, and it is, it is, it is, it is. Yeah. It's wrong, but yeah. we live in it. Yeah, 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 <laughs> I, yeah. Oh, Rob. The, the reality is, is that we can make a difference and fix this problem. Mm -hmm. It's been done. We, we've seen it in Europe with, with heroin-assisted programs. People who are struggling with heroin, struggling with all the aspects that we were talking about, living without a home, living without a family, mm -hmm. uh, living in poverty, living in the sex trade, mm -hmm. uh, and able to turn it all around because somebody prescribed them the heroin, that they were doing all of that horrible things in their life to keep taking, to survive. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly, oh, wait a minute. I don't, I don't have to go break into that house because I can just go there and they have it for me. I don't, I don't have to sell my body because it's right there. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't have to fight for money to survive. I can go buy food. And, you know, when we were looking at our, our injectable opioid clinic, uh, the first thing that we saw in the first couple of months was dramatic weight gain in people. It was shocking. Why? Because they weren't spending every last penny they had on drugs mm -hmm. because it was supplied in the program. We had an 80% uh, retention rate. 80, it was like 87 or something. Ridiculous number. Addiction programs usually hover around the 50 percentile. I mean, everything that we're talking about, we can do. We can medicalize the, the injection sites. We can okay, weaponize when you, them. When, when you say that, what do you mean? Yeah. Spell it out. So I, I yeah. mean, putting an addiction doctor or a nurse practitioner inside of an injection site, prescribing uh, hydromorphone, prescribing um, fentanyl. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, look, we have liquid fentanyl. The reason that the, the about 20% who didn't respond to methadone or suboxone and did well with heroin is because they went from heroin to heroin. Mm -hmm. Now, heroin is just a baby molecule compared to fentanyl. 
I mean, it's, it's affinity to the receptor, it's addictive profile, it's lipophilic nature and how it stays in your body. Mm-hmm. It affects everything when it comes to treatment. But it's also, you know, I don't know how many times I heard this from people who were using heroin and then got their first hit of fentanyl and said, wow, that was amazing. I was like, I got high again for the first time in a long time. Remember, most people, by the time they've been on an opioid for years, they're not getting high anymore. Mm-hmm. They're just not getting sick. They're, they're in yes. survival, yes. right? Yes, yes. Now, we're, we're taking something where people aren't getting sick, except we don't have a replacement for it. When, it was, when people were taking Percocets and Oxys, we could replace that with methadone Suboxone, no problem. Mm-hmm. When people were, were using heroin, I mean, heroin is diacetylmorphine. Uh, it, 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 in, in, in a blinded study that was done out of uh, Vancouver, people who were injecting heroin and hydromorphone couldn't tell the difference between them. I mean, they're, they're no different. Mm-hmm. And, but fentanyl is way more powerful. And people are using way bigger numbers than we've ever seen before. Mm -hmm. And so we're in a whole new world where, okay, let's take a look at our history and see what's worked before. We don't need to reinvent a wheel. We need to learn what we've done before. Oh, wait a minute. When people didn't respond to methadone and suboxone, we gave them heroin and they did really well. Mm-hmm. Then we started realizing, okay, people aren't responding to methadone, suboxone. We're going to give them uh, liquid hydromorphone. Uh, whether they respond that great, they ended up needing more and more, and it, it was some difficulty there, but they mm-hmm. stabilized. Now we've got to realize that a lot of people still don't do well on that. So let's take it to the next step. Let's replace what they're using with what they're using, except pharmaceutical grade, no benzos, no cutting agents, no whatever other crap and mm-hmm. poisons mm-hmm. and anything they can put in there mm-hmm. to make it last long and sell for more. Just the true pharmaceutical grade. And then let's build a relationship while they start that process. Now, what did we talk about? They're not going to die. They're going to survive. Mm-hmm. It's a huge step. Mm-hmm. And we know... Every time somebody uses an injection site, they reduce their risk of death by being in there. The problem is nobody uses it every time. Mm-hmm. They use it here and they use totally. it there. Yeah. But what if, that, but they'll always find their drug dealer, no matter where their drug dealer is, yes, right? Because yes. they don't want to get sick. Yes. They don't want to face those demons right now. Yeah. They don't want to go yeah. through this. Yeah. Except now, what if we remove the drug dealer from the equation? And said, come into the injection site. We'll provide you with pharmaceutical uh, opioids. You can't leave with it. So there's no risk of diversion. Mm -hmm. But you get access to everything here. And somebody's kind of building a relationship. And hey, you know, have you thought about maybe we can switch you to an oral or we can start tapering you down or we even have more intensive treatment or, you know, have you ever thought that maybe you deserve more in your life than this? But I'm not going to judge. And if you tell me, fuck off, I just want to get high. Okay, no Mm -hmm. problem. Mm -hmm. But at least I know you ain't going to die on me. Mm -hmm. And you know my face and I know yours. And I'll see you here tomorrow. And I'm going to do the same thing tomorrow. And you're (laughs) going to be like, oh, that fucking Dr. Tanga just doesn't stop. Except they're not going to hate me Mm -hmm. because I'm not going to judge them. 
I'm going to have fun with them. I'm going to laugh at them. I'm going to build a relationship. So eventually one day, and I know this works because I have done it, one day they're going to say yes. Mm -hmm. And when they say yes, we need immediate, immediate response. And that Mm -hmm. may be Suboxone. That may be Methadone. That may be... Mm -hmm. uh, grabbing him by the hand, jumping in a vehicle and taking him to wherever they need to go. Mm-hmm. And we've got a long way of fixing all of the access to programs and mm-hmm. recovery stuff, which I know that is happening in Alberta and it's coming along really nicely, mm-hmm. but we mustn't forget how to get them into that system. Mm-hmm. And the place that they all will go to and listen is the recover or the harm reduction centers. So Look, it's, it's just looking at the, the problem in a systemic fashion and building pathways, not just siloing everything. And right now we have harm reduction doing its thing. We have addiction medicine doing its thing. And we have recovery centers doing its thing. And people are lost in between those silos all the time. And nobody's keeping track of it. And we wonder, well, we just spent all this money on this. Well, that's great. How do we get them there? And what happens if they fall? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 we, we have nobody looking at the system, a network, mm-hmm. and we don't see where the patient is coming from, the person who's living that every day. Where do we get them to access? It may be the hospital. Mm-hmm. Uh, it may be a detox center. It may be a harm reduction program. Mm-hmm. It's an access point. Mm-hmm. And then where do we get them from that access point? What's the next level of service? Where do we go? Mm-hmm. Maybe they're not ready. Mm-hmm. But if they're not ready and they don't ever meet someone who can help them through the program, they're never going to get there. But if they're not ready and they talk to me every day and are annoyed by it, mm-hmm. but start thinking about it more and more, you know, what, what is this, this Dr. Rob thinking? What, what the fuck is he talking about? Is, is it actually possible that I can get help? Woo. Yeah, that was... <laughs> It's we got a, we got a party in here now. <laughs> Sorry about that. Oh, that's okay. That's Just okay. see if you're awake. There it is. It's We're... his Google Home making a bunch of noise. <laughs> <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> Wait, let's just keep that in there. <laughs> yeah, I like it. I like it. Oh man. Okay, so I. All right, so I'm totally. I've. I hear. I totally hear you. I. I. I totally hear you, and I. I've on. I've honestly had this conversation many times, you know, and just, yeah, just because it is, it is so concerning. It is such a big issue. Yes. Right. Um, and it's not going anywhere. It's not going anywhere. It's going to get worse. It ain't going yeah, anywhere. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and we've got to quit saying, I did it. If I did it, you can do it. I mean, if only that was, imagine if we said that in cancer. Well, I lived. What the fuck is wrong with you? Holy Right? Man. Imagine if we did that to oh. someone. Someone going for heart surgery. Well, I had heart surgery. I lived. You'll be fine. What are you worried about? What's your problem? If I did it, you can do it. We don't do that in other areas of medicine ever. That's, I, I, Why that do we do it here? Really it's hitting me. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's... it's Look, it's, it's the stigma. Oh, my gosh. It, yeah. it's, we discriminate this population. We look at them as lesser than us. And there is, it's all bullshit because it's mm-hmm. your and my sister, brother, aunt, uncle, child, grandparent, mm-hmm. best friend, mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. It's all of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and anyone, addiction doesn't give a shit who you are, no, how much money you got or where you're going in life. Mm-hmm. What it cares about is what happened to you as a kid? Mm-hmm. What's going on in your head? Mm-hmm. You want to turn that shit off? Mm-hmm. Maybe we should turn it off. I'll mm-hmm. help you. Mm-hmm. And they turn it off. And for the first time, I've heard this over and over again, for the first time, I feel normal. Do you know how many of my patients have said that to me? The first time I used, I felt normal. It doesn't matter. Maybe it's the first time they had a few drinks and they suddenly, oh, that social anxiety's gone. Mm-hmm. I feel like I can talk to people. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's the first time they use cocaine. Oh my God, I suddenly feel like stable. Mm-hmm. And like, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. The first time they take an opioid, the first time they feel love, warmth. And they get this feeling of warmth and love that comes from a fucking pill. Mm-hmm. And, and we're telling them to stop it. Who are we to tell them that? Mm-hmm. We're telling them, well, I can stop it. You can stop it. You don't need that. How, who says who? Mm-hmm. All we got to do is just listen and quit. I mean, really, just quit being a dick. Right? If yeah. we could just quit being dicks and, <laughs> and treat this like medicine, we could probably get somewhere. Well, you know, you say medicine, and I, to- I, I, I get what you're saying, but I, 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 it's, almost, it's more than medicine. Oh, yeah. It's so much. M- but medicine, medicine has to change, right? So too much in medicine. Yeah, because that's. We look bio, biomedical. Yeah. Yeah. A, a pill, a pill, a pill. Yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah. no. It's got to be biopsychosocial spiritual. Totally. And right? honestly, even just when you finished talking there, Rob, like when you're like, we just got to, to me, that's like having almost like a spiritual awakening, mm. getting to that place. Because I, I think the biggest thing we need is th- this education, education, mm. awareness around this issue so that we can start to have some understanding, so that we can start to have some freaking compassion. You know what I mean? And so that we can stop stigmatizing and discriminating. And you know what I mean? Because, yeah, like I, because, you know, we're we're talking about more of our vulnerable sector, homeless population, things like that, like more, you know, poverty lines, stuff like that. But to tell you the truth, like I can totally freaking relate to that. Mm -hmm. Like I, um, as a single parent, like I, I mean, even when I was in active addiction from alcoholism, I can relate to a lot of what you're saying, you know, this, the stigma, the shame, feeling like a piece of shit, Mm -hmm. You know, feeling like a loser. Why can't I get my shit together? How many people said that to you? You know, well. What's wrong with you? Yeah. Get your shit together. Just stop. Yeah. Yeah. Like, just fucking stop drinking. Yeah. Why can't you stop? Can't you see you're hurting everyone? Yeah. Yeah. Look what you're doing to your family. Yeah. No, totally. Look what you're doing to your friends. That is just shame and guilt and horrific. Yeah. But, and so that's there at at any level, I Mm -hmm. think that is there. That's even there for the corporate executive downtown that's struggling, like with his cocaine addiction. That holy shit, if anyone knew, you know, I'm out of a fucking job. Like, you know what I mean? I'm going to lose everything. I'm going to lose my status. I'm going to lose my everything. And I know there, I, I totally hear you. Like, there is different, obviously, levels and, um, someone that has money is an obvious more advantage to treatment and stuff like that, right? But some of those, 
I don't know if you'd call them social barriers or whatever are still there. All the shame, the stigma, yes. the discrimination, yes. things like that, right? Because just like you said, addiction doesn't, it doesn't care, Nope. right? It doesn't give a shit how much money is in your pocket and how hot your girlfriend is or whatever and how cute your kids are or what, you know yeah, what I mean? I it doesn't, it doesn't care. Doesn't yeah. care. It, it, the, the system has to change. Uh, you know, part of me says just rip it all down and rebuild the whole thing. But in some areas, there's such a paucity, there's nothing to rip down. So it's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we've, we've got a, you know, education is super important. Mm-hmm. There's no question. Um, you know, looking at your, your friends, family, everyone else who's been touched by it, mm-hmm. uh, and, and going back to the compassion. I love that you said compassion. Like mm-hmm. what, what happened to us as human beings? You know, what, why, why does somebody who's struggling, uh, get treated poorly by the people who are supposed to be helping them? Mm-hmm. It's mind boggling. Mm-hmm. And, and part of it, the medical system is burnt out. Mm-hmm. The, the, um, Social service system that's that's out on the street burnt out. Mm-hmm. The uh, the recovery programs have such a long list of people coming in. If you don't want to fit, get out, and we'll take the next one because we don't have time. Mm-hmm. And the whole system is so fractured that we've got to step back and 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 change everything that we do. And it starts with uh, you know support and stabilize the 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 elements that are leading to survival and then work our way up. And, and whether it's the CEO or the person living on the street, they both probably have trauma. Mm-hmm. And if we're not getting to the underlying themes of, of trauma therapy, and that's not trauma informed practice. Like let's not trigger someone while they're here. That's just so narcissistic. You can get triggered at seven 11 and Safeway and you know, at your family uh, dinner, yeah, yeah. Uh, but you won't get triggered in our clinic. So we're better. It's mm-hmm. like, what the fuck? Treat the trauma. Yeah. So they don't get triggered anywhere. Yeah. What happened to that? Yeah. Yeah. Right? It's yeah. just, it's money. It's laziness. It's easy ways of doing things. Uh, I, I don't know many recovery centers, if any at all, that actually have trauma therapists working in them. And so they discharge people. Uh, they've got heightened emotions. Mm-hmm. They everything that they've used to to cope with all of the demons of the trauma from before is gone. They've learned a few, you know, skills and and things to do. And then they're released back into the community and their trauma symptoms are through the roof. And they're like, "Well, now you can go to psychiatry and deal with that." What? <laughs> what? You you you're basically just kicking people out after taking their money. Put the trauma therapist inside of mm-hmm, these things. Mm-hmm. Make it mandatory. You want to run a, a treatment program? You have trauma therapists and you don't discharge people who are absolutely going to relapse. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Take I, the profit out. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, me personally, I'm, my opinion, I'm with you there that this stuff should be um, just part of our healthcare. Totally. Right. Just like anything else is just like you said, with the cancer, with all of that. Oh, look at right? the size of the prostate cancer Institute oh, we have I, here for, know. you know, aging white males who, you know, you know, they, they support the, the political parties with lots of money and they get their big buildings. And, but you know, what, what happened to uh, a way higher number of people struggling with addiction? Where's mm-hmm. our great big addiction center here in town? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. None. 
Mm-hmm. How many addiction beds do we have in a hospital here in Calgary, the, the largest city in the province? None. Zero. Uh, what are we doing? What, how, how many residential beds do we have? Much more than most places in the country. But if I wanted to get into, you know, I'm a female, I want to get into a female-oriented program, mm-hmm. I have lots of trauma, it could take months yes. to get in. What? Yes. Why is that? Because that's one more level of discrimination because now you're female. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you're even lesser than. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's so ridiculous. Mm -hmm. The system is so broken. Mm -hmm. And we need to put money. Look, the vast majority of people with addiction will recover on their own. I know that's horrible to say. 80% of of people who struggle with alcohol recover without ever getting medical support. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of people can recover. It's the people who are struggling that we need to put the resources into. And, you know, the therapeutic communities are a huge step, a huge step. This gets someone out of their cyclical nature of of survival uh, and puts them into a really good possibility if we have trauma therapy and vocational training and skills training mm-hmm. and like, let's retrain them and get them back into a home. Don't discharge them back to the park. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's just a recipe for disaster. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, set them up for success. Mm-hmm. It's a huge step, but it's only one piece. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the true concept of, of a lot of the facilities that we're talking about of these harm reduction facilities, we should open them up everywhere as Mm -hmm. temporary pieces to support and fix the major problem we have. And as these systems are put in place to help and support them, we can start pulling back. Mm -hmm. But it it can't be the opposite. A, it can't just be that. That'll be be a nightmare because then nobody gets help. Mm -hmm. And it can't just be the other side because nobody will go there. So they have to work together. Yeah, And we have to expand and spread and scale as many harm reduction programs with addiction medicine and nurse practitioners and therapists working in them and then get them into treatment. And then as those numbers start to decline because we're helping people, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we can start pulling back. So literally like wraparound services kind oh, of thing. Like you and yes. I just talked about before we were recording, yeah. like the Sheldon Kennedy Advocacy yes. Center, right? Where they all came together right under literally under one roof correct so that just like that handoff that you're yes so it there there they removed all of the barriers like yes. all of the yeah i i i've believed that for a long time too actually that we need wraparound services yes. like we need we need wraparound services period full period. supports full supports yes. all the way around yeah. And, and you can't just say, well, we have Sheldon Schumier. We have three clinics in Sheldon Schumier. Two are run by one organization, one by another organization mm-hmm. within the same stream of AHS. Mm-hmm. But they don't talk. See, that's, and that's exactly... Crazy. The, that is, that's nuts. Yes. And, that's, and that's not even what I'm talking about because they're, you know, it's full collaboration. Yes. Like, for as much as I know about the child advocacy center it's full collaboration everyone that one person's file is an open book for all of those units yes you know what i mean the court system the police the doctors like it's all it's literally wrap around 100 percent. yeah you know we have this great big greyhound station in town yeah it's empty yes i I think it's actually a covid testing thing right now but yeah outside of that uh it's it's just sitting there and you've got the city of calgary wondering what are we going to do with some some panel of experts where there's not one addiction specialist on the panel 
twiddling their thumbs, wondering what they're going to do. And it's, well, first of all, if you don't have an expert there who understands the etiology and epidemiology of the disease that you're trying to deal with, Mm -hmm. how are you going to get anywhere? Mm -hmm. Second of all, half of downtown is empty. I mean, look, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to just expand services downtown where a lot of the problems are Mm -hmm. in all these empty buildings. Mm -hmm. Half Mm -hmm. of them, not half, but a good chunk of them owned by the city. And then you have a, a province that for whatever reason, uh, doesn't seem to want to work with, with healthcare. And so we have physicians and, and some weird-ass artificial battle between government and physicians, and, and we're wondering, well, why can't we all work together? Well, shit. Like, let's, let's stop this fight, mm-hmm. and let's actually focus on the people who need the help. It's not the doctor's bank book, and it's not the vote that whoever's running whatever government agency. It's about the vulnerable person who needs help. Mm-hmm. And we got to end all of this crap mm-hmm. and start focusing on how do we help people, mm-hmm. municipal, provincial, federal. Uh, and we, we've got to put some money where our mouths are. Everybody's talking about, oh, the system's broken. Oh, we have a, a, an epidemic of overdoses and mental health. Oh, oh, oh. But where's the money? Mm-hmm. Where, where, like, let's actually talk about supporting these people. Well, and honestly, that, that, that call to action comes back on all of us, I think, because we can all, no matter who you are, where you are in this picture, even if you're just, you know what I mean? You don't even have to be in politics or a part of any of this stuff that you could just be a person. Yeah. Right. Like, like we all need, we all need to get in, into this. Like we all do, not just the politicians, not just our government, not just the healthcare system, not just, we all need to, to be a part of this. This, this impacts us all like to some extent, to some level, it touches every one of us. I agree. Yeah. You know, at one time cancer was stigmatized, right? Rob, you're, yes. Why is it not stigmatized anymore? Yeah, because we have centers everywhere, and we threw a ton of money and research into it, and we focused on it yeah. as a healthcare yes. problem. Yeah, not oh, you were a smoker, so you have cancer, yeah. or you were a drinker, so yeah. you have cancer. It was totally stigmatized. Or, oh, totally. Yeah, I, I did a little bit of research on that actually. It totally was. Yeah. I remember when my grandmother You're was dying, my language and here. she didn't want anyone in her room to see her because she was mortified she had cancer. Mm-hmm. How horrific is that? Yeah. You know, the, the best way to fix the stigma is accept that it's A, okay to ask for help, mm-hmm. and B, help is available everywhere, and C, everybody's educated enough to deal with the help. Mm-hmm. You know, look, I'm not going to ask a family doctor to treat somebody's cancer, mm-hmm. but the family doctor knows exactly what to do totally. when it shows up, yeah. and they know where to send that person, mm-hmm. and that person mm-hmm. will be seen immediately. Mm-hmm. And, and cancer is way more than a medical diagnosis. There's the emotional aspect, mm-hmm. the social aspect. Mm-hmm. The, there's so many things that are wrapped around it. Mm-hmm. And, and it's okay mm-hmm. in our society if you get cancer and totally. you get all the sports in yeah. the world. But if you get addiction, oh my goodness. Oh, I know. I know. I know. You get cancer, you get the whole food train. Correct. For two, three weeks, sometimes months. You get addiction and you're expected to show up at work the next day. Find your help yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Horrible. Oh, brother. You're, <laughs> you're, I'm getting fired up over here. Yeah. No, you're, you're speaking my language, Rob. Yeah. Big time. Um, okay. Well, we're, we're, we're going to wrap it up here, but 
Holy, this was loaded, <laughs> man. This is like yeah. having two loaded guns. It is, yeah. We'll see how much trouble I get <laughs> <in> after. <laughs> this is awesome. Well, you know, if if we don't if we don't broach ourselves into the most uncomfortable conversations, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and if we don't say enough is enough, yes, and like I don't give a shit who you are and what you represent. Uh, it's time to work together mm-hmm. and, and it's time Amen. for us to all sit around a table together mm-hmm. and, and not fight and not argue about money and not, it's time to put it all under one umbrella. So there is no more arguments mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's time for us to all work together. So we're not siloed. Mm-hmm. And until we do that and we put the experts who know it best in charge. Now, look, the expert isn't the addiction doc knows everything about all the people struggling with alcohol. No, no, no. But when it comes to that person who has nothing and has no recover, recovery capital and has absolutely no resilience, yeah, you, you need the specialist in there that's going to help with the medications and help with the stabilization and help with the, the psychiatric comorbidities and help with the medical comorbidities. Mm-hmm. And, and we need the recovery and harm reduction people to come and support that. And, and we need to all work together. Mm-hmm. And until we do that, we're going to have the same conversation next year. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's sad. Mm-hmm. It is. It is sad. Um, what is... I want to... Give me... Just end off with just a... Just something that you really believe from your heart that's really... Like why, why you just keep kind of like you're you're in the arena like why why do you keep fighting this fight like why do you do what you do I think that well I've been lucky enough to see what recovery looks like when people do it's, it's pretty amazing mm-hmm. um I I've you know been touched by addiction in my own family and my own friends and my own life uh and have seen what it can do to families and to friends and supports and uh how how stigmatizing people feel when they're trying to get help. Mm-hmm. And I think we quite simply suck at doing it. And, you know, I, I can see that there is an answer and there's a way we can fix all of this. Mm-hmm. We just, I guess I just need someone to listen. <laughs> Isn't that funny? But you know what? I love what I do. And, uh, you know, I, uh, th- what I do is I'm curious about what people are going through and then I want to try to help every little piece that I can. And uh, I haven't been able to help on a national level. I haven't been able to help on a provincial level. But we're making massive differences in our two programs here at a, at a, a municipal level. And our opioid program has full trauma therapy, full pain therapy, full addiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we provide all supports. And same as our RAM program, our, our community rapid access addiction medicine program. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I feel lucky enough to have made sure trauma therapy is working in both Mm -hmm. and making sure that people have access to all supports. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I I think that, I think this is all fixable if we put Mm -hmm. the right people in the right positions. Mm -hmm. You know, I've often said to to different government people, you know, let me help you. Mm -hmm. But if you don't help me help you, you know, we're going to keep twiddling our thumbs with political ideology and beliefs uh, over true science and true medicine. We want to we wanna treat it like cancer. We got to start where it be, begins and put it into a medical system mm-hmm. and have all the supports around it mm-hmm. from recovery supports mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, to harm reduction supports, you know, yeah. 
Yeah. End the stigma by making it okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hear you, Rob. Absolutely. Um, thank you. Thanks. Like, it's been a yeah. This is frick. This is awesome. Yeah, yeah. I get that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, I, I really. Yeah, thank you. If we want to change, we got to look down doors that we never thought yes. we'd open. Uh, oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Okay, well, I, <laughs> I, um, this was such a, this was such an impactful um, episode of Ordinary Courage, and I'm pretty sure that uh, you guys got something out of this, and uh, really just a uh, huge shout out to you, Rob, and, and just the clinics and all the work that you guys do, and thank you for just being a part of the solution. And um, just want to thank all of our listeners. Uh, I'll have some links and stuff in the show notes uh, for where you can connect with uh, Dr. Rob Tangay and find out more about their clinics um, and just the work that they're doing in, in the community. So we'll have all of that in the show notes. And uh, so again, this is just a, another episode, another Ordinary Courage uh, episode. And uh, you can find us on Apple Uh, podcasts and Spotify are the main ones and thanks you guys for just tuning in again and uh, being a part of this conversation with us because it this really is going to take all of us and so we we need you to we need your support we need your voice and so yeah thanks everyone till next time